good. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. All right, you guys can take a seat. You guys can take a seat. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on. Man. Yeah. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love worshiping God, you know. I feel like every time I get up here I say that, but, you know, it's just so true. So I want to start us off this morning with, with a story, um, a story from the Bible that I was uh, praying about this message, and I was prepping this message this week because my schedule has been incredibly insane right now. Um, and so I was working on this message this week, and I, I felt like God put this story on my heart because I believe that it will interact with all of us in this room in different ways, in different situations and issues that we're facing. And it's the story that we find in Mark 5. So Mark 5, we find this man, this man named Jairus. And this man named Jairus, he comes to Jesus. In Mark 5, it says this, After Jesus had returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. What's really cool about that is Jesus was just on the other side of the lake. What had happened was when he'd first crossed over, a huge storm had um, come upon the boat. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples were like, oh my God, Jesus, we're going to die. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You're fine. You're fine. And then he calms the storm with a single word. And they're like, whoa. And then they get to the other side. And Jesus gets uh, intercepted by a demonized man. And he's like, get out of him. And the demons all leave the man. And then the people in the town are like, uh, Jesus, we don't want you here anymore. And so he's like, okay. So he crosses back over to the other side of the lake. And then a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. It's interesting. Must have known that he was a miracle worker. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus. He was a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. And he pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, please come with me, Jesus. Please come help me, Jesus. My daughter, she's sick. She's only 12 years old. She's sick. She's dying. Jesus, come help me. Lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and a huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. And as they're moving through this crowd, the story goes that a lady was there who had uh, this condition of blood. She'd had this condition for 12 years, and she comes up behind Jesus, and she just reaches out, touches his cloak. And instantly she's healed, and Jesus turns around, who touched me? And she hesitantly is like, oh, it was me, Jesus. And he's like, by your faith, you've been healed. And at this moment, with this crowd all around them, this incredible miracle happening. Some servants come up to Jairus. And they say this. They say, there's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. You know, it's easy in a moment like that. In the midst of a miracle... To look at a problem and to give up. To look at a situation and think, it's hopeless. 
It's easy to believe that Jesus is the healer, but when something goes wrong, when someone dies, to, to be like Jairus and to be like the servants and be like, oh, Jesus is just a healer. He can only heal people. The girl is dead. It's too late. And I believe there's people in this room right now who you're facing an issue, you're facing a problem, and you're surrounded by a crowd, and it's keeping you from the miracle you want, and you don't realize that you're standing next to the wor miracle-working God. So I want to talk to you today about our perspective of problems. The problem of perspective. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, it's a matter of perspective? It's a matter of perspective. It's a fun, fun phrase that I find people like to throw around um, to kind of explain why two people can look at the same situation and walk around, away believing completely different things about it. Oftentimes, both views are true, just both views are incomplete because it's just a matter of perspective. And you know, perspective is interesting because each and every one of us has a perspective. Each and every one of us has a perspective of what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our friends' lives, what's going on in the stranger sitting beside you's life. Each of us has a perspective of what's right, what's wrong, and what we believe based on the things we've experienced. But you know, it's, when I was growing up, and really it took me a long time to figure this out, I didn't really understand this idea of perspective. Because to me, uh, my personality type is that I'm a debater. So to me, Things are either right or wrong. There's no gray area. And it took me a long time growing up um, to figure out that things are often a matter of perspective. Took a lot of fights with my dad because he also has a bit of a personality where if he believes something, he'll stand up for it. And so I'd be like, no, you're wrong. And he'd be like, no, you're wrong. And it would just be this awful, awful situation where we're both arguing and we're both not backing down. Um, and in the end, we're both usually right because, you know, it's a matter of perspective. But, <laughs> but I found a, a couple years back as after I'd moved out here from Ontario, I, I came face to face with this idea of perspective. See, a couple years back, I had just bought my first car. Um, it was an 01 Chevy Malibu, piece of junk, falling apart. I, uh, one time I had to jack it up because the tire deflated out of nowhere, and the, the jack just bit right through the underside of the car because it was so rusted. I was like, oh boy, what do I do now? Anyways, <laughs> so I just bought this car, but it was a piece of junk, but it, I loved that car because it was a car, signaled freedom. And around this time, I'd also um, just got my first girlfriend, Kim, who's now my lovely wife. Um, come on, we just got married a couple months ago. But, but I had my first car, and I had my first girlfriend, and I was trying to just like, you know, show off to, to my girlfriend and to, to be nice and to impress her. So, I remember one day I 
went to her university, um, and I picked her up after class so that she didn't have to stay at the school for, and wait for her parents to pick her up because she didn't have a car. So I picked her up from class to, you know, kind of try and impress her and make her feel like I was better than I am or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so we're driving, and I'm driving her home, and we're going to go do homework or something. I, I really don't remember this part. Um, but, we're, but we're heading back to her house. Um, and as we're driving, we're, we're on this road, and I turn right onto this other road um, that's, that's four lanes across. So I'm turning right onto this road into the first lane, and immediately I'm like, okay, I'm going to move over. And so I move over one lane, so I'm in the second lane, and then I'm like, oh, I'll move over again. And I move over into the third lane, and then there's this lineup of cars on the fourth, in the fourth lane. So I'm like, no, nah, I'll, just, I'll just stick it out in this lane. And I'm driving forward, and out of nowhere, Kim's like, watch out! And I'm like, what, what? Oh, boom! This lady who stopped in the fourth lane of traffic, pulled out, and sideswiped the backside of my car. I mean, my car was a piece of junk, but still, it was my car. And so, I mean, I'd driven since I was 16, but, and I'd, I'd been in some fender benders before where people would rear-end me or other things, um, but I didn't really know what to do in this situation, and I was just like, uh, and like pulled open my door and looked, and yeah, there was a bunch of damage. So me and the lady, we both pulled off into a parking lot nearby, and uh, we exchanged information, and then um, we had to, headed down to the police station, and um, the police uh, officer was taking our reports and getting us to fill out our statements and whatnot, and I filled out exactly what happened. I, I turned right onto this road. I had merged over two lanes into the third lane. She was in the fourth lane, and she had pulled out and hit me. But what she wrote was different. She wrote was that I had been in the second lane and she had been in the fourth lane and we'd both merged at the same time. So long story short, the officer talked to both of us and kind of sorted it out and f figured out the truth and I was let off the hook for any, any repairs or any damages. I was found not at fault. But it was an interesting lesson in perspective because I don't think that lady was being malicious. I don't think she was trying to lie to cover her own butt to get out of part of the fault. I honestly truly believe that she truly believed that we had both merged into the same lane at the same time. And you see, this was all an interesting lesson in perspective. Because it showed me the reality that sometimes two people can see the same situation and walk away believing two different things about it. Because often, it's a matter of perspective. The truth can be a matter of perspective. You know, sometimes I think that phrase is not incorrect, but incomplete. Because sometimes it's true that two people can see the same situation and walk away with different views and believe two very true things about that situation, but what about the situations when two people walk away and one believes something that's not true about the situation? 
See, sometimes it's not a matter of perspective, but it's a matter of who has the wrong perspective. Come on, let's feel this out. Um, all right, picture this, picture this. It was your birthday last week. Happy birthday. <laughs> it was your birthday last week, and your friend, one of your close friends, didn't get you anything and didn't even wish you happy birthday. And let's just picture, um, for the sake of this, that you're a person who really loves your birthday. And it's really important to you. That's so, we might not ever be friends because I suck at remembering birthdays. But just picture this, picture this with me. And your friend, you really, their friend knows that your birthday is really important to you, but they didn't wish you happy birthday. One perspective could be, wow, this friend is awful. I hate that friend. Wow, they must not care about me. They must not like me. They must not love me as a friend. They must not value my friendship. Wow, I, I'm hurt. But what if later you find out that your friend has just spent the past three days in the hospital with their little kid in intensive care? It's not a matter of perspective there. It's a matter of you of the wrong perspective. Or how about this? You're at work and... You just gave an amazing presentation at work and I don't know about what, about sales reps or something. Like you did such a good job presenting it and it was just the best thing in the world. And somebody comes up to you and they're like, man, you did such a good job with that presentation. You're like, thanks. It was so hard. And they're like, yeah, but you crushed it. And you're like, yes. And then you're just, you're talking with some other people and you hear them walk away and you hear them stop by somebody else who had also given a presentation that day and be like, hey, man, you did an amazing job in that presentation. And you're like, wait. I did a good job, but they did an amazing job? Wait, what, did I do something wrong? Why was theirs better than mine? Why was theirs amazing, but mine was only good? That can be your perspective, not realizing that the person wasn't being intentional with the words they were using and was honestly just trying to compliment the two of you. Husbands, you'll understand this, I'm sure. How many of you have ever had a moment where your wife is like, hey, how does this outfit look? And you're like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, oh, perfect. And she wears it, and then the next day, hey, how does this outfit look? And you're like, oh, it's good. What's so wrong with this outfit? <laughs> nothing, honey, nothing. I was just trying to use two different words to say the same thing. Come on. Because <laughs> sometimes it's easy for us to look at a situation, to look at a problem, to take what people say, what people do, what's going on in the world, what's happening all around us, and not knowing the full story to have the wrong perspective of the situation. Sometimes we need a new perspective. So confession time. There was a time in my life when um, I had a really, really negative perspective of uh, one thing in particular, and that was um, school. Where are students at? <laughs> Who has a good perspective of, of school? Come on. I had a really incomplete perspective of what was going on, a really negative perspective of what was going on in, in school. And 
I mean, this wasn't too long ago because I just graduated from uh, from college uh, not too long ago. Um, but but I, I I remember having certain attitudes about certain classes that were just like, this class is dumb. This class is stupid. Because my perspective, some of these classes were not that important. Like, come on, I, I loved classes like gym. Gym class, amazing. Most important class in school in my perspective. Come on. Love it. And then I'm also a bit of a, a nerd, so I also loved history class just because I was like, oh, look what happened in the past. That's so cool. That's awesome. And like certain math classes and certain English classes, all depending on the teacher. It was really interesting how some, depending on the teacher, I would think a class was amazing or, you know, it sucked and was worthless, but you know. Um, but some classes I found I had a really, really sour attitude about. I had a really incomplete perspective about. And the majority of them um, were science classes. Particularly the biology unit of my science classes. Let me be clear though, this wasn't because I hated science. This wasn't because I thought science was stupid. This wasn't because, as a Christian, sometimes we get this really weird perspective that all science is evil and we should just read the Bible. Because, you see, I believe that when God created the world, you can just put it here. When God created the world, he... Turn it around, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> See, when I, I believe that when God created the world, he, he gave us scripture, and he also gave us the world to study. So if science doesn't line up with the Bible, it means one of two things. Either one, science is wrong, and we haven't learned enough yet, or two, our perspective of the Bible is wrong. And I actually, I, I love a lot of different sciences, like things like astronomy. It fascinates me that there's a universe out there that we can explore and look at and be like, whoa, that's crazy. Certain things like psychology, understanding how people tick and people work, and just like blows my mind. I love it so much. But biology? Really? Why? See, I can't be bothered with understanding the different physical structures and chemical processes of a grasshopper. I don't care. I don't care about how the cell structures work. I can't see the cells. Why does it matter how they work? I truly didn't care about biology class. But you know, today I decided that I need a new perspective on science class, so as an apology to all of my former science teachers who had to put up with my negative attitude, I decided, let's do an experiment together here. All right? You guys cool with that? Come on up, Kim. So what I did, what I did is, um, <laughs> on Thursday, I bought a microscope off Amazon. Thank God for Prime. One day shipping. It's amazing. So what we're going to do is, I've, we've got this lovely microscope. Should all be working here. Got this lovely microscope. Ooh, there we go, there we go. And we've got a couple different objects that we're going to throw under the microscope and then we're going to be locked out of the computer. 
throw that back up. Our screen's not working up here because, you know, technical difficulties are amazing. Boom. All right, all right, all right. All right, so I've got a couple different objects here. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple different objects together, and we're going to try and figure out what each object is based on what we see on the screen. So, yeah, you want to throw that under there, Kim? All right, all right, all right. Oh, no. Do bring it out this way. There we go. What is it? Shout out, shout out. What is that? Steel wool. Oh, okay. What else? Curling ribbon or curly ribbon? Any other ideas? Tinsel. A what? A dead body? No, Jackson, that is not a dead body. I heard it over here. Steel wool. Rip this fresh off of our steel wool thing at home this morning. Hmm? With a crumb in it. Yeah, that's right. All right, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. Next thing. What is this? Paper? What kind of paper? Toilet paper? Okay. Paper towel? Okay. Cracker? All right. All right, all right, all right. Wheat thins? <laughs> Love it. Whoever said paper towel, you're... Dead on accurate. This is an up-close shot of the paper towels that you guys use to dry your hands in the bathroom. It's only zoomed in like 100 times or something, so. All right, now for our last one. Now for our last one. Oop, oop, oop. <laughs> Crushed it. All right, what is this? Fidget spinner? <laughs> Love it. Did I hear Band-Aid? Okay, fidget spinner, Band-Aid, what else? Puzzle piece? Socks? Butterfly wing? I wish, that'd be so cool. <laughs> no, that's real science, we, didn't, we don't do that here. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, I just didn't ever think of getting a butterfly wing. I also don't know where to get a butterfly wing. What do you do? Do you like go catch a butterfly and then rip up Amazon? Whoever <laughs> said puzzle piece? That's right. It's a puzzle piece. It's a piece of a puzzle with, I believe it's a lot of flowery designs and whatnot on it. I don't actually know for sure what it is. But you know, it's interesting. When you look at things through a microscope, it can be difficult to see the whole picture. And some of you were dead on accurate. You're like, puzzle piece, yes. But sometimes, can look at, if you're looking too closely at something, the more zoomed in on something you are, the harder it is to see what the object actually is. The closer we look, the harder it is to see the full picture. So if we want to actually see the full picture, to actually see the full object, we need to get rid of the microscope. We need to get a different perspective. Because the reality is that if you live life looking at 
everything through a microscope, you're going to miss the big picture of what God is doing all around. And you know, I think that often it's easy for a lot of us to have the wrong perspective about different problems and different things that we're facing, not because we're intentionally trying to believe a lie, but because we're choosing to observe the world around us through a really narrow view, through a microscope. Obviously not a real microscope, because that would just be crazy. You just walk around with this thing all day. Mm -hmm. Obviously it doesn't work that way, but, but as, as we walk around, as we observe situations, as we observe people, as we observe the world, it's easy for us to get focused on the small details. So focused on our perspective of a situation, so focused on what we think is going wrong, that we miss the greater picture of what is happening in that situation. And we become like Jairus' servants who run up to the only person who can raise the dead to life, and we say, send him away. It's too late. She's dead. And it's really cool in the story of Jairus, we find this man who... He loves his daughter so much. He loves this 12-year-old daughter so, so much that when she's dying, he hears, Jesus is coming, and he's like, this is our chance. This is our chance. We can do this. And he runs to Jesus, and he comes to Jesus, and he's begging Jesus, heal my daughter, heal my daughter, come with me. And Jesus is like, of course I'll come with you. And they're coming with, and they have this huge crowd all around, and Jesus gets intercepted, and this miracle happens. And as this miracle is happening, the servants come up, and they say, Jesus or Jairus, it's over. The girl is already dead. And in this moment for Jairus, it would be very easy to have just watched Jesus heal a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years and to think, oh, my daughter's dead. It's over. But what's interesting in the story is that the servants run up and they say, Jesus, it's over. Jairus, it's over. It's over. It's over. Why are there so many giant names in the Bible? I don't know. Jairus, it's over. It's over. Your daughter is dead. Send this man away. And these servants, these people, they had given up hope. But the next verse is really cool because it says this. It says, Jesus refused. Love that word. He refused to listen to what they were told and said, do not be afraid. Only believe. So you see, while the people all around were looking at the problem from a microscopic view, from an earthly perspective, the lady is dead, the girl is dead, it's over, there's nobody who can bring her back. Jesus was looking at the problem from heaven's perspective. You see, in heaven, disease has no power. In heaven, nothing is impossible. In heaven, death has already been defeated. In heaven, a problem is not a problem. It's a potential for God to do something incredible in the world. So from Earth's perspective, it was all over. She's dead. 
She's dead. That's it. Jesus is just a healer. Nothing else can happen. Earth's perspective, it was over. But from heaven's perspective, a miracle was about to take place. Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Jesus walks with Jairus to the house and he walks into the house and there's this crowd of people and they're all mourning and crying and wailing. Oh, the girl's dead. Oh, she's dead. And Jesus is like, why are you mourning her? She's just asleep. And they're like, are you stupid, Jesus? And he's like, get out of the house. He kicks them all out of the house. <laughs> and, and he takes, he takes some of his disciples and he takes Jairus and and he takes Jairus' wife, and they walk into the little girl's room. And you can imagine, you can picture the scene. You have this room, and there's probably a bed, and the girl is lying on it, and her body is probably growing cold. Flowers all around, get well soon cards everywhere. This girl, dead on the bed. And while the people were outside mocking Jesus and saying, who does he think he is? He walks into the girl's room. He grabs the girl's hand, which was a big no-no in Jewish culture. You're not supposed to touch somebody who's dead. He tenderly grabs her hand. He says, little girl, wake up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. See, in that moment, heaven intersected with earth. God's will for healing manifested in that girl's life, and a little girl came back to life. In that moment, people's perspectives of what was possible were shattered. They thought the story was over when it had only begun thought the little girl was dead, not realizing that the person who brings dead things back to life was in the room. They had the wrong perspective. What if we have the wrong perspective of things? What if we have the wrong perspective of what is possible? the wrong perspective of the problems we face, the wrong perspective of the problems that others face, the wrong perspective of what's going on in the world, the problems the world faces. See, all too often I think that we as Christians, we get caught up in the problems, and we get caught up in all the issues, and we get caught up in all these different things. There's so many horrible things going on in the world. There's terrorism, there's world hunger, there's racism, there's homelessness, there's all of these different things. And then we look at our lives and we see addictions and we see anger problems and we see all of these different skills that we lack and we think we should have and we think, oh my goodness, all these things are impossible to overcome. Instead of pursuing God and asking him, what can I do to make a difference in the world? You see, from God's perspective, these types of things aren't problems. They're potential for you to partner with God to change the world. From our perspective, it might be a problem, but from God's perspective, it's a potential to make earth look like heaven. So we need to stop seeing things from the wrong perspective. To stop seeing things from 
our perspective. Stop seeing problems from our perspective, but to start seeing them from God's perspective. Stop looking at problems as problems, but as a potential for something greater. You know, that can be difficult because it's so easy to look at everything going on and get caught up in those issues. To think nothing's going to change. I can't do anything. It's impossible. This is just what I'm stuck with. It's only going to get worse from here on out. As we look and we see the wars, we see the homelessness, we see the disease, we see the addictions, we see the lack of certain ministries in the church that we think the church should have and they don't have and we think, oh, we should just leave the church because of that. You know, You see, from heaven's perspective, these things aren't problems. From heaven's perspective, it's not a homelessness problem. It's a potential for each and every one of you to go out and love people who are less fortunate. Love people who have less than you do. Heaven's perspective, it's not a health problem. It's potential for God to heal you. Or, if he doesn't, for you to set the example of what it looks like to worship God despite your circumstances. See, from heaven, it's not a negativity problem or a porn problem or a drug problem that you or a friend might be facing. It's a potential for you to learn to see yourself through the eyes of your Father, to see yourself the way He sees you, to be called to a higher standard of living. From heaven's perspective, it's not a problem with the church. It's a potential for you to get involved with this kingdom, to make a difference, to come into a system that you think might be broken, to, to fix it get involved, to be a part of what you think is broken, to reach people with the love of Jesus. See, the problem with our perspective is that we see things from too small of a perspective. We look too close. We think too small. And we need to learn to see things from God's perspective. To ask God, how do you see this? To not look at problems as problems, but as a potential for us to do something incredible and change the world. So what I want us to do now is I want everyone to just stand for a moment. I'm going to pray over you guys. Because you see, I believe God is here and he wants to give us each a new perspective. A new perspective of our problems, a new perspective of, of our callings, or a new perspective of the world around us, a new perspective of the people around us. So as I pray for you all, I want um, all to begin, uh, so I want to pray for you all to begin to see things from a new perspective. So let's just close our eyes and lift our hands to heaven. Some of you, this is the first time doing this, but this is a posture of receiving. While we do this, I just want you to be lifting whatever problem you might be facing, whatever issue you might be facing that seems impossible. To be lifting those up to God, lift them up to heaven and ask God to show you his perspective. Pray, cry out, God, show me your perspective. Show me how you see this situation, God. Let me see these things, these problems through your eyes. 
Let me see the potential you've prepared in each of these situations. Let me be the catalyst of change in these situations. Not standing on the sidelines, hiding, but going to the front or front and bringing change to this world. So Father God, I just pray over each and every person in this room, God. Give us a new perspective, Lord. Give us a new perspective, Lord. Give us a new perspective, Lord. In the midst of whatever situation we might be facing, give us a new perspective, God. Let us see things from your perspective. Let us see things from your perspective. Look at problems, not as problems, but as potential, God. Reveal to us your heart so that we might stop seeing problems in such a microscopic way, but to start to see them in a new way, God, in your way, God. Open our heart. Open our minds, Lord. Jesus, God. God, I just thank you that you're the God who gives what is asked for. That you're the God who is not distant. You're not far away. You don't hate us. You're the God who comes close. God, I just pray that you hear the cries of each and every person in this room and that you will reveal your heart to them right here, right now, God. That as they cry out to you in the midst of their problems, as they cry out to you in the midst of their situations, Lord, that you will show them a new perspective, that you will show them a new potential that is coming forward, that's coming out in the midst of this situation, God, so that they can come forward as the children of God, anointed in power. God, I pray for a new perspective and I declare this over each and every person in this room in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Everyone shout, amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's worship God. And God of your promise, you chased down my heart through all of my failures.